0: to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. And I'll begin reading at verse 46. And then we'll go to the book of Acts, chapter number 1. Gospel Luke, chapter 24 and verse 46. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, And thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany. And he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. The Bible says in verse fifty. led them out as far as Bethany let's go to Acts chapter number 1 Acts 1 verse 12 then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey and when they were come in they went up into the upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip, and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and si- Simon, Zelotes, and Judas, the brother of James. And these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. You know, when we read that passage of Scripture, we just can't hardly read it like everybody else does. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly, Aren't you thankful that something suddenly happened to you? There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. How'd they know it? And began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance praise God hallelujah now now the formal part of this service is over okay we're gonna loosen up just a little bit everybody go like this a little bit Everybody, take a deep breath we're apostolics we got the Holy Ghost and we say amen praise the Lord that makes you uncomfortable I'm sorry hallelujah hallelujah I want to preach this morning upon this subject Beyond Bethany, there is a real blessing. Beyond Bethany, there is a real blessing. Why don't you lift up your hands along with your voices and let's pray again this morning that the Lord's touch would be upon the remainder of this service. Lord, we need your anointing. We need the touch of the Holy Ghost. I'm praying, God, that you would have your way and will in this service. We thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, clap your hands again to him this morning if you would. Praise God. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Bethany is a beautiful place, a place that is rich with meaning and symbolism in the scripture. Bethany, according to the word of God, as best that we can tell, was 15 furlongs or about two miles east of Of Jerusalem. Uh, Many significant things happened at Bethany. There is here at the house of Simon the leper a woman that breaks an alabaster box, a familiar story, I believe, to the majority of us. And after she breaks this box of precious ointment, she pours the contents of it out upon Jesus. And this is a very beautiful story and a very beautiful thing that transpires. But I believe that it is a prelude to Pentecost because it is at Pentecost that outsiders become insiders. People with a past and people that have problems but potential are welcome into what had been up until this point a very exclusive group. It is here at Bethany that the 12 disciples are with Jesus in this house when the woman with this horrific past comes into his presence and she washes the scripture says her his feet with her tears and then she lets down her hair and she dries them and she takes an alabaster box the bible calls it a spikenard very precious tells us a little bit about the worth and the value of this box. And it is kind of like a marble-type thing that is almost transparent. And she breaks it, allowing its contents to flow out without reservation. And to me, this is symbolic of worship, because when you really worship the Lord... You're not concerned about how much you give. When you really worship the Lord, you're not concerned with limiting it. You're not concerned with how it looks or what people, other people think about it. The disciples, of course, were indignant at the worship of this lady. And I hope that as a church, we never have indignation towards outsiders coming in And just letting their hair down, so to speak. Lifting up their hands and their voices unto the Lord and giving Him praise. Maybe they don't know all the rules. Maybe they're not familiar with Pentecostal culture and custom. But they just love what they're experiencing. They love what they feel. You know, that's something that you can't deny about Pentecost is what you feel when you step in the presence of God, that's the calling card of Pentecost. Amen. We don't have the biggest buildings, the nicest facilities or the most money. But i tell you one thing we've got that we don't have to be ashamed of. We have the anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost. It's what you experience that keeps you coming back. It's what you experience that is different and sets it apart from everything else. And, you watch people. I, I love watching folks when they first experience the power of Pentecost and the presence of God and apostolic worship and they don 't know really what to do with themselves they don 't know how to do it perhaps uh, they don 't know the appropriate time to raise your hands or the appropriate time to get out in the aisle, and maybe they choose the wrong song to, to lift up their voice and To give a shout of praise to God. Amen. I don't know exactly how you do it. All I know is when you do it, you do it unto the Lord. And I don't know if there's a perfect way for any one of us to worship God. But I know if it's scriptural, if it's in the Bible, and if it comes from your heart, you're permitted in this house to lift up your hands and to lift up your voice and to give praise unto God. Come on, if God has been good to you this morning, you ought to lift up your voice. And give him a little praise right now. The amazing thing was, and the Lord rebuked them. He said, Simon, I came into your house. You didn't offer me a basin. You never washed my feet. You didn't give me just the normal normal hospitable things that you would do to welcome most guests. You didn't do any of those things. But this woman came, and she done... Or she has done what you should have been doing all along. And that's the amazing thing about this story is that outsiders are out praising insiders. Yeah. People that really don't know like the others know. Uh, this lady had not witnessed all the miracles that the disciples had. This this lady had not heard all the powerful teaching that the disciples had. They had uh, been in His presence, they had experienced the miracles. They had been there at the feeding of the five thousand. They had been there when blind eyes were opened. They had been there when the dead were raised. They they had been there when deaf ears were unstopped. They had been there when lepers were cleansed. If anybody should have been worshiping, it should have been these disciples. If anybody should have been praising, it should have been these that knew. But it took an outsider that had never witnessed any of these things, never experienced any of these things. But she had knowledge that I'm in the presence of the Lord. She had a revelation that something powerful is going on. And if he visits my village, he visits my city, I'm going to give my praise and I'm going to give my worship unto him unreservedly. I'm not going to hold back. I'm not going to hold out. I'm going to give it all to him. She let her hair down. She said, you know what? I'm not holding anything back. I am going to receive and I am going to give everything that I can in the presence of the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. I don't want to get to the place that my, my tenure and my longevity and... My my time in the church causes me to grow and unthankful and unappreciative and I can come to church and I can remain mum and I don't lift up my voice and I don't sing the songs anymore and I don't raise my hands and I don't clap my hands and I don't have any spring in my step and I don't have any desire to praise God. I don't want an outsider that doesn't have the revelation that I possess and the understanding and the testimony and, and all that God has done for me and all that I've experienced He really deserves more praise out of me. I said, He really deserves more praise out of me. Because there's no one that knows, like I know, what He's done for me. He's healed me. Amen. He's delivered me. He's helped me. He's answered me. He's been there for me. I believe that He deserves a little praise this morning. This woman came into that house where Jesus was from a world that had been cruel to her and that abused, had abused her and taken advantage of her. And she didn't have a good reputation, but she had potential. Can I tell you that, that Pentecost is, is not about our perfection, but the power of Pentecost is about our possibilities and our potential. Studying a little bit about uh, the church in the colonial era, and uh, how that when uh, the church came over—I say the church—it wasn't—it wasn't the church as we know it—but uh, the Church of England came over, and uh, then it dispersed into various denominations and and uh, different uh, men that were influential, and they had their followers, and such as uh, Calvin and and. Uh, Um, Martin Luther and different ones that, that influenced certain sects of people that came this direction and came into the eastern part of the United States or what was then known as the New World. And they had what they called low church and they had what they called high church. Praise the Lord. And what it really meant is there was a church for aristocrats and there was a church for commoners. There was a church that uh, followed the creed and, and uh, that had all of the, the aristocracy and the liturgy and everything was right down pat and they did everything according to the tradition of the Church of England and then there was those that they didn't have it quite all figured out or maybe they deviated from it a little bit and they called them low church. I'm thankful that I'm not in the high church and I'm not in the low church but I'm in the church this morning. I'm thankful for the revelation of truth. I'm thankful to be a part of the kingdom of God. Amen. I didn't get into this thing because my grandparents are in it or because my dad is in it. But I got in this thing because I was born into it. Amen. I repented of my sins. I went to a watery grave in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins. And I received this resurrection power called the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Yeah, man, I'm thankful for the church. Judas, he started complaining. Of course, there was things in his heart that would later be revealed. And he said, this is crazy. I'm paraphrasing. He said, this is, this is out of order. Why was this waste of ointment made? You better be careful what you call a waste. You better be careful what you mock and what you look down on. You better be careful what you think you don't need because there might be a day that you do need it. You, you be careful because there was a day later in, in Judas's life that he would have loved to be in the presence of the Lord. Matter of fact, he threw the silver that he had on the marble floors of the Sanhedrin and said, if I could just get an opportunity to take it all back, I would do it. So be careful what you call waste because times may get hard enough that you begin to see the value of it. But notice what what Jesus said to these disciples that were indignant. He said, let her alone. She hath wrought a good work. She hath anointed my body for the bearing. Her praise if I could say it this way, was preparing him for a transition that was going to take place that not even these disciples were fully prepared for or aware of. And all of this, again, was symbolic events because he was going from living to dying. He was fixing to go to a garden called Gethsemane, and his will was was going to be broken there and, and become submitted to the ultimate will of God where he said, not my will, but thy will be done. Flesh was going to submit to the ultimate will of the Lord. And praise brought about an anointing at this particular time. Uh, an anointing for this body, he said, that would would uh, be buried, but thankfully it didn't stay buried. Praise the Lord. An anointing that was needed for the next dimension and this transition that was going to take place in Jesus' Uh, as an example to you and I in Jesus' life. Praise the Lord. These disciples didn't understand the change that was coming. Matter of fact, uh, they perhaps didn't even want there to be a change. They, they liked things the way that they were. And I'm going to just stop right here and say, That you and I a lot of times face this when we start progressing in God, when God starts blessing our lives, when when God starts moving in our families, when when God starts doing things in us, and we start stepping up. Don't think everybody's going to be happy about it. Don't think everybody's going to salute it. Don't don't think everybody's going to like the change. That is, some people want to drag you back down. Some people want to keep you in the past. Some people want to keep you right where you are. They don't want to let you progress. They don't want to let you go any further. They don't want to let you get any further ahead than they are because uh, it condemns their lack of progress. That's right. Praise the Lord. And, And so Jesus said, let her alone. There's a shift that is going to take place. And it was her praise that got him ready for the agony of the garden, the betrayal. Judas, It was her praise that prepared him for the whipping post and her praise that prepared him for Pilate's Hall. It was her praise that prepared him for the rejection of the multitudes. And it was her praise that prepared him ultimately for the cross, for Calvary. And you know, if you're a praiser, if you're a worshiper, you can make it through just about anything. I won't say that again. If you're a praiser, and if you'll become a worshipper, you can make it through just about anything. I know I probably told this before, but my my grandmother she she was just uh, in her early 60s, contracted cancer, and it was terminal. She was uh, dying, and uh, it first formed in her lungs, masticized, went to her brain, and uh, it was a horrible scene, a bad situation. Went through brain surgeries and had one uh, lung completely taken out and, and and just horrible. Anyway, she was in a wheelchair and they would bring her into church because she wanted to go to church. She was a child of God. And she came in through the back doors of the church, and I remember many times her lifting up her hands and worshiping God and saying things like this. This is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice. How in the world could you rejoice sitting there in that condition? How could you rejoice with your flesh deteriorating and dying? How could you you rejoice in in those kind of conditions uh, that you're in? When you're a praiser, you can make it through just about anything. I said you can make it through just about anything if you'll learn how to worship God. Christ Calvary is one of the most gut-wrenching scenes of the entire word of God. Images of Jesus being nailed to a cross. And I, I will not go into all of the all the things that, that went into that and all the things physically that he had to endure. A cross whose cross member reaches. It represents something. One side reaches into your past and deals with your past and that vertical member reaches down and deals with your present moment but the other side it, it reaches in to your future it gives you hope and gives you help and gives you something to live for calvary affects everything about you it doesn't just affect a part of you it affects everything about you. That that curse of the past. Uh, what, what your grandfather handed down to you. What your daddy handed down to you. And, uh, what your great grandfather passed down to you. Calvary reaches back to that. And now you're not affected by it any longer. You you don't have to live under the curse of that. I've heard about generational curses. Well, I'm in this and I'm doing this and I, I'm involved in this because uh, my grandpappy did it. Or my Daddy was involved in I'm going to tell you, when Calvary comes into your life, you can't blame it on Daddy anymore. You can't blame it on Grandpa anymore. It's all taken care of because of the blood of Jesus. End. Calvary deals with your present. It deals with your now, your mistakes, your oopses, uh, your wish I had a, uh, your, your uh, if only I would have. Uh, all of those circumstances of your life. Calvary reaches down into your present, uh, but it don't only do that. It do, do, does it do that. It reaches into your future. It says because of the shed blood of Calvary, there is hope. Uh, there is a future. There can be change. There can be eternal around. Things can be different. It doesn't have to say the same old same old. There doesn't have to be this vicious cycle and circle of life that I can't get out of. I don't have to live in bondage. I have a future through Christ Jesus. I have hope. Aren't you thankful for that blessed hope this morning? Aren't you thankful for the hope that comes with the power of the Holy Ghost? Some of you come into this room this morning regretting the past feeling condemned about the present, uncertain about the future. i come to recommend Calvary because Calvary affects the past, present, and future. At Calvary, you get it all back. At Calvary, it's all dealt with. I don't have the words to articulate the gruesome death of the cross, but it is a picture of God's wrath upon sin. It was nailed. The Bible said, it talked about it being a middle wall, a partition that was torn down and being nailed, our sins being nailed to the cross. Jesus hanging there before his own creation, his lungs feeling with fluid, and he pushes himself up by the strength that's, that's left in his legs. And while that crowd is jeering him, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's what you have to do when you're weighted down. That's what you have to do when you've been maligned and falsely accused and assaulted by lies and gossiped on. You have to push yourself up and say, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. They don't understand. Forgive them, God. You gotta push yourself up and say, God, I'm gonna be bigger than to to live in bitterness, and I'm gonna be bigger than to live offended, and I'm gonna be bigger than to live under the burden and the weight and the pressure of all of that. Father, forgive them. Can I tell you that Calvary's and it's not about you receiving forgiveness? but it's an example to every one of us that we need to forgive, that we need to relinquish, we need to let go. Amen. You come in carrying burdens from 20 years ago. You need to let them go. You come into this house carrying resentment from from 10 years ago. You need to let it go. You come into this place this morning. you got wounds that, that have never healed in your life. You need to let it go and let the Lord and his blood do a work in your life because Calvary is able to take care of it this morning. I said Calvary is able to take care of it this morning. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It's at Calvary that we have the ability to do like Jesus did and say it is finished. In other words, it's over. No longer do I have to deal with it. No longer do I have to be saddled with it and burdened with it and harbor it and carry it around somewhere. Can I tell you that you've got to let die What God wants to die. Yeah. I said, you got to let die. What God wants to die. Quit trying to keep it alive. Quit trying to resuscitate it. Quit trying to, to, to bring it back to life. Quit trying to dig it up. Oh, come on now. You need to pull the life support on it. And so you know what? If God wants it to die, I'm going to let it die. I'm going to quit worrying about who's right and who's wrong and what side to take and all that. kind. I'm going to let it die. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to release it. I'm going to relinquish it. I am going to put it in the hands of Almighty God. I'm going to tell you your happiness and your fulfillment and everything is connected to you. Allowing things to die that need to die in your life. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Things that are clinically dead, we're trying to resuscitate them. We're trying to keep them alive. We're trying to relive it, rehash it. If you don't let that go, it'll eat you up. You got to let it die. But thank God that Calvary wasn't the last chapter of this story. In Acts chapter 2, the Bible says that they were in an upper room they had gotten beyond that place where the Lord told them that these things are going to happen these things are going to transpire Calvary is going to take place but on the other side of Calvary on the other side of that suffering oh yeah the scripture said for the joy that was set before him he endured the cross and he despised the pain Because he knew that there was a Pentecost that was coming. When every one of you could receive the power, wherever one of you could receive the Spirit of God, wherever one of you could rise up and, and and receive the blessing of God in your life, and so He gives you the opportunity, He gives you the chance to experience the blessing and the power of Pentecost. But you got to get beyond. I said you got to get beyond Bethany. You got to go beyond. You got to get on the other side of the cross and the only way you can get on the other side of the cross is to relinquish some things and let go of some things and repent over some things and get under the blood of Jesus some things and say, God, I don't want to stay here. I don't want to stay on this side of Calvary, but I want to go to the other side because on the other side is Pentecost. On the other side, there's power. On the other side, there's blessing. On the other side, there's anointing. On the other side, there's what I need and what I desire and what I'm hungry for. Would you stand to your feet this morning? Lift up your hands to the Lord. Let's praise Him together right now. Come on, lift up your voice to Him. Let's give Him glory. Let's give Him honor right now. It's beyond Bethany where the real blessing is, it's getting on the other side of the cross. It's letting God deal with our past, present, and future. It's being willing to let the blood flow. Amen. We need the blood applied. I said, we need the blood applied. It's available, but it has to be applied. I said, it's available, but it has to be applied. you got to be obedient to the Word of God. you gotta, You got to really fully give it all over to the Lord and say, God, I... I want to yield myself to you. Praise the Lord. You've got to let go and yield to him and surrender to him. Would you reach over to somebody nearby and let's pray together this morning. The Holy Ghost would minister in this place. The Spirit of the Lord would touch hearts and lives in this house. The presence of God would move in, in this building in the next few moments. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Come on, let's talk to God. Let's reach out to the Lord right now. Let's seek the face of God. I'm going to tell you, Calvary is able to do its work. Calvary is able to change. And the blood is able to cover. Come on, do you believe that? or Are you just unwilling? To accept it. I'm going to tell you God is able to do it today. If you'll open up your heart to Him. And you'll talk to Him. Let's pray. Let's pray this morning. I wonder if there's somebody who'd like to come. Maybe all of us could join around these altars this morning. Let's find our way to this front. Maybe you need Calvary to do a work in your life. Maybe you need the blood of Jesus to. Cleanse some things in your heart. Take care of some issues. and Deal with some circumstances. Maybe you need Calvary to move in the deep of your spirit and do a deep clean this morning. There's things in my spirit that are not right attitudes and things that have been allowed to live and to fester and to grow and to get out of control that need to be taken care of this morning. Hallelujah, can only be taken care of through the blood of Calvary, the blood of Jesus. Oh yes, He shed that blood for you and I this morning. It's that blood that is more powerful and greater than any obstacle, any opposition, anything that comes against us has the power to overcome. It has the power to cleanse. It doesn't matter what the past is. It doesn't matter what the present problem is. It doesn't matter how bleak the future looks. That that work of Calvary is able to take care of it. Come on, let's talk to the Lord, church. Let's talk to the Lord. Let's seek the face of God here this morning. Let's, let's pray. Let's reach out to the heavens. Let's seek the face of God here today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's